Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Wesley Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7, WFNZ, the text line, 704-570-9610. Keep them coming. Check us out on social media, WFNZ, on Instagram and Twitter, at Westbrian underscore 72, at Walker Mail, at HTB underscore Josh, and most importantly, at Wesson Walker on Twitter or X, whichever you prefer to call it. Let's get right to it, folks. It is time for the campus. Kona. All right, last night, my Demon Deacons in the first of two matchups with Duke this month. They'll see him again on the 24th. But Wake Forest goes down at the hands of the Blue Devils, 77 to 69 in the game with the Cameron Crazies last night. And Duke has now won 25 consecutive home games against Wake Forest, making it the longest Duke home win streak against any opponent. The last Wake Forest win in Durham was in 1997, January 11th to be exact. In league play, Wake Forest entered the game leading the ACC in points per game in league play, I should say. And second in field goal percentage and three-point field goal percentage, they finished 39% from the field against Duke, and they shot 53% in the second half. Wake held Duke to 29 first-half points tied for its fewest total heading into halftime this season and Lois inside of Cameron indoor. Two Blue Devils, Kyle Filipowski and Mark Mitchell, finished with at least 20 points for the first time since playing at Louisville on January 23rd. And two Duke players, Filipowski and Jared McCain, logged double-doubles for the first time since the Louisville game. So what were our thoughts on this game last night? We'll see these two teams again very, very soon. But how did the Duke Blue Devils look, in your opinion, Walker Mayo? Yeah, I, I think Duke just was able to get it done against what is a talented offense. And I think that matters quite a bit, despite Wake Forest making it a close game there midway through the second half or even a little bit further on at the seven-minute mark, something like that. I think they brought it to within two. And they found some success. There were a couple of times they found it in the post and were able to score. But then Duke just always had an answer for when Wake Forest was able to get it close. And I think that is the sign. We We've seen it with North Carolina for the most part this season, and that's what you see from good teams. If other teams are going to go on a run, because of course they're going to give it their best shot against a team like Duke, top squads in all of college basketball, especially when you're playing in an environment like Cameron Indoor, that crowd might have you going, despite them cheering against you. And so when you give Duke their best shot or your best shot, and the Blue Devils still find a way to answer, that's a big deal. It's still a talented team, despite Wake Forest's woes trying to win on the road. I thought this was a big old win for the Blue Devils. And then as far as just looking at this team individually, Kyle Filipowski and and what he brought to the table, but Mark Mitchell seems to be a guy that really makes this team go with the way that he attacks the basket. He had 23 points and eight boards, 9 of 14 field goals. 
I mean, it's hard to really look at this Duke team and pinpoint who may be their most important player uh, going through conference play as we march towards the ACC tournament. I mean, is it still Filipowski, or do we feel like that there are uh, there's another presence on this Duke team that is most important to their wins and losses? The guy that I think brings them to a different level if he's playing well is still Tyrese Proctor, who was 0-5 with zero points yesterday. And so the fact that Proctor has had quite a few of these games where he just is non-existent offensively, even his saving grace in the North Carolina loss was the fact that he defended R.J. Davis pretty well. But here are his last four games, starting with that loss to North Carolina. Two points in 26 minutes. Nine points against Notre Dame. He had 10 on eight field goal attempts against Boston College. Zero against Wake Forest. And before that, he had been getting to double digits consistently, maxed out at 24 against Louisville, 18, and a big one-point win against Clemson. Tyrese Proctor, to me, if he is playing well, I think that's the guy that brings them to a different level because of how up and down he can be offensively. He's the most important player to me. And if he can, if he plays well, then that ceiling goes much higher, in my opinion. Whereas if you look at a Mark Mitchell, great basketball player, just a guy that's high energy there, Harrison Ingram, if you will, with some differences. I still think the answer to that is Proctor with how many goose eggs he'll give you. Yeah, the only thing that I look at, too, is that we talked about the output that he had last night. He's finished in double digits in five of his last six contests and 13 of the last 15. And they're 29 and three in games where Mitchell scores at least 10 points. And, I mean, he's a guy, he's not going to shoot the basketball uh, with any type of accuracy like that. He's just going to attack the basket. And so that's why I wonder if he's a guy that could be that missing link or is he the most important. Fitty, what did you think about this basketball game last night and what do you think about this Duke roster? Is Filipowski the most important guy still in your eye? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm with Walker. When Proctor plays at a high level, they look different. But I also think Jared McCain's – uh, emergence as a you know legitimate rebounder and what he can do on the offensive glass is big for him. I thought it was just a workmanlike win for Duke, nothing sexy, but they got the job done. Wes, y'all had chances, man. Like I thought y'all got quality looks. You got great looks from behind the perimeter. There was one possession, you got four open threes, and you missed all four of them. And I think that's when I knew just early on where it's just like it's not going to happen for Wake Forest. Still among Joe Lenardi's next four out or first four out, when he projects a 68-team tournament field. But if y'all want to go dancing, you have to get the return game with Duke in two weeks. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's the thing when I watched that game last night. You know, I was hoping that they would win, but I knew that, you know, they had another one kind of NBA style where you're like, all right, you know, they'll see this team again. And it's like, you know, you'll be hard-pressed to expect to be able to sweep uh, a program like the Duke Blue Devils. So now... When you look at it, okay, Jeff is coming in here. Oh, complaining words. Yeah. Complaining words. What do I say, Walker? Close mouths. Don't get fed. And they will be fed now with Dunkin' Donuts. Got a little mini box. Because of our complaint earlier. Wait, we got a mini box? What's the. No, I'm playing, Jeff. I'm playing. The mini box (laughs) works. This is fine. Please don't hurt me. We're all good here. (laughs) All right. So now when we look at tonight's action, though, the North Carolina Tar Heels, they don't have. The biggest challenge in the world, but I'm sure Fiddy will find a way to make this like the days of Carmelo Anthony and Jerry McNamara tonight, where they will walk in to Syracuse against a subpar orange team. But somehow, some way, this environment is going to be reminiscent of what Bay of when Bayheim was roaming the sidelines with national championships and winning seasons 
at stake. But through February 11th, the Tar Heels are one of two teams in the ACC, Big East, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, and SEC with six road wins. They beat Syracuse the last time they saw them, 103-67. to Should the Heels win this game, it would secure their 64-20 win season in Carolina history and their third in a row, their 12-3 all-time and the JMA Wireless Dome, formerly known as the Carrier Dome. And they're 34 and yeah, 17 still the all carrier, time by the way. in Dome Stadium. So what do we think about the Hills tonight? Is there going to be any issues at all as they head up north? Well, you know what they say, Wes, when you go to the JMA Wireless Dome, you just don't know what to expect. Nah, look, this, this it's really this simple. Judah Mintz, J.J. Starling are two really, really good players. That's all Syracuse has. And so if Carolina brings the le- the same level of intensity and focus they brought in the second half against Miami, it should be the same result as the first game, which was a 36-point blowout. So I'm looking for Carolina to go up there and win this game rather comfortably before coming back home uh, for a game with Virginia Tech over the weekend. All right, so now, you know, as we take a little bit of inventory as the season has marched on, do we still feel strongly? that R.J. Davis is the guy to win uh, the player of the year right now, or has there been other another candidate or candidate to emerge in this race? I, I actually was trying to make a case for somebody else, like realistically, it's R.J. Davis. If you're going to be on the best ACC team and be the leading scorer, also only be behind Hunter Salas in minutes played per game at like 0.3, so essentially a non-existent difference there. The field goal percentage is worse, but not from three. From three, R.J. Davis is one of the league leaders in all of college basketball, but also in the ACC. 90.7 free throw shooting percentage and still dishing three and a half assists per game. That's higher than all the other top scores too, so he's also getting others involved. It's R.J. Davis. There's not anybody really within the same tier that could win ACC Player of the Year award. Yeah, R.J. Davis is the only player in the NCAA in the top 25 in scoring. He's ninth to be exact. Free throw percentage, three-point field goals made per game. He's 14th there. And three-point field goal percentage, uh, he is 21st. And I'm with you, Walker. I don't really see uh, anybody else when you look at this because you go through the top five in scoring and the ACC, R.J. Davis, P.J. Hall, Hunter Salas, Judah Mintz, Blake Henson, and so uh, none of these guys have teams that I feel like are going to really be in the mix for real, for real, for an ACC championship. If Clemson or Wake Forest was in that mix, then maybe those guys would have cases, but the team's success and then with the individual success that he's had this year, I still think it's R.J. Davis. Well, it's not even because of the team's success. It's just that R.J. Davis is having such a special season, but Wes, because R.J. is playing so well, he's taken away a three-peat for Wake Forest to win ACC Player of the Year. Like, the next guy on the list, and shout out to P.J. Hall, who also deserves, I guess, some consideration in Tier 2, but Hunter Salas is the guy, especially if Wake Forest finds themselves in the NCAA tournament. He comes in as a transfer, as a guy that is putting up all of these crazy numbers where he's one of the league leaders in scoring. He's also shooting really efficiently from the field and three-point range, and he is doing a bunch of like little stuff too, two and a half assists per game, grabbing four rebounds. Hunter's going to finish second in my opinion. 
And remember, Wake Forest not making the tournament the last couple of years, and yet they still finish with Alondis Williams and Tyree Appleby as ACC Players of the Year. So, yeah, North Carolina being as good as they are and R.J. Davis playing as well as he is, there's not going to be a real discussion at the end of this season. But if you just had, like, some other normal year, then Hunter Salas might make this a three-peat, man. He still deserves to be, like, second, in my opinion, when we compare everybody Yeah, else. last night he had 22 points, five rebounds, four assists, and a block. Over the last two games, he's averaged 27.5 points a game in a last night's contest third in the ACC in scoring and averaging a team high 18-7 per game. And last night was his 12th 20-point performance of the season and sixth time in ACC play. Fiddy, what do you say? Is it still R.J. Davis's award to lose, or do you have somebody else that could be nipping at his heels? No, I still think it's R.J. Davis's award to lose because look at the team that's emerged as maybe the second-best team in the league, and that's Virginia. What player would you even consider maybe giving that award to? It's not like when they had Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, Joe Harris. Really, they had like bona fide, you know, first round NBA talent on that roster. I mean, that's more of a team, you know, or you know, team nucleus that's getting the job done. And it would be Reese Beekman. Yeah, I think. But but you're right. Like not ACC POI. And so I think as long as Carolina closes out the regular season strong, even if they don't win the ACC regular season title. RJ's just played at the highest level of anybody in the conference. All right. Well, there you have it right there, folks. I mean, I th- like I said, it's going to be interesting, but it would take a gargantuan effort to catch R.J. Davis at this point because, like I said, I factor in team success a whole lot into this as well. And as long as he keeps hooping and Carolina stays up in that top five and they're dominating the ACC right now, it looks like they're going to be the chance. But still some basketball to be played, no question about it. But we'll see how this race ends up as it goes. But right now, all of our front runner is R.J. Davis.